Good morning, everybody. My name is Alex Barthet. I am here to present the uh, presentation, Can I Lean Homestead Property and Five Other Lean Questions Answered? Um, so let's go ahead and get started. Uh, so on today's agenda, we're going to answer six questions plus any other questions that you may have. Uh, so it will be, can I lean homestead property? Do I need a written contract to have lien rights? How long do I have to record my lien? How do I account for weekends and holidays? What is last work under the lien law? And what happens after I lien? So let's get started. Uh, the first question, can I lien homestead property? And the short answer is yes, absolutely you can lien and foreclose on homestead property that you actually improve. So understand that Florida's homestead law is a very strong protection to people's primary homestead in Florida. Um, most creditors are unable to touch someone's homestead property if it's properly registered as their homestead property and it falls within the guidelines of the homestead law. But there are two major exceptions to that rule. One exception is if you have a mortgage on the property. Uh, so obviously if you have a mortgage and you don't pay the mortgage and it's your homestead, they can the bank can come in and foreclose on the property. Uh, but the other major exception is that uh, if you improve someone's homestead property and you properly comply with the lien law rules and timelines for notices, you can foreclose on that homestead property uh, and sell it. So can you lien for homestead property? The answer is yes. Next, do you need a written contract to have lien rights? Uh, the answer is no. It's nice if you have a written agreement. I strongly recommend that your agreements be in writing, but it is not required in order to have lien rights. So oral contracts are valid uh, and enforceable contracts, and they are lienable. You must comply with all of the lien law rules and notice requirements, um, whether your contract's in writing or not in writing. But you need to watch out for certain residential construction disclosure requirements that may require certain things in your contract to be in writing. So one significant example of that is Florida Statute 713.015. It was too long to put here. Um, it's about half a page of large font, all cap type, that must be provided to a residential homeowner before you uh, have lien rights. So if you wanna find out what that language is, Go ahead and Google uh, Florida Statute 713.015 and it'll take you right to that statute um, and you can look to see the language that you need to get the residential owner to agree to. Um, now, as I said, you don't need a written agreement, but you should have one. And then people, the next question people normally ask me is, well, what about my invoice? What about my proposal or my estimate? Is that a contract? And the answer is yes, all of those types of documents, no matter what you call them, are either a contract because you get the other person to sign it or evidence of the terms of the oral agreement that you have because that it may not be signed. So I recommend that you have a series of 
uh, even if it's minimal, terms and conditions in your estimates and proposals and have a process in your office that you get those documents signed, um, even if subsequently you may enter into a more significant formal agreement. But just know that even if you have nothing in writing uh, and you performed work to improve a piece of property, you have lien rights so long as you comply with the lien law rules. How long do I have to record my lien? Uh, the short answer is 90 days from your last work or delivery of materials to the property being improved. Now, there are certain exceptions to this. One is specially fabricated materials. Um, delivery to the project is not required um, as your last work for uh, specially fabricated materials in order to have lien rights. So let me give you an example. Let's assume that you're making a custom awning for uh, a piece of property. And that awning, you're going to fabricate it in your shop. You're going to take metal tubes and fabric. Uh, you're going to weld them together. You're going to sew it. And you're going to create it in your uh, facility. And then you're going to bring it to the job site. If you don't put it on this project, then it has to go to the trash because it's it, it has no other uh, value other than for this project. And let's say the job gets canceled, uh, you get fired, the owner runs out of money, whatever it may be, but your, your specially fabricated materials never make it to the job site, then your lien rights um, run from the time you finish the fabrication or were notified that it was no longer needed, um, even if it never made it to the job site. So keep that in mind if you work on specially fabricated materials. There's also another exception that a lot of people don't know about to the time period to record a lien, and that while the normal rule is 90 days from your last work, if the notice of commencement is terminated, you have 30 days to record your lien. So sometimes we see this on larger projects or even residential projects where the project may have started with no financing but then gets financing so when the project started a notice of commencement was recorded the project moves on let's say it goes on for three months the owner gets uh, financing now the lender wants to be in first place so they want their mortgage recorded in the public records before the notice of commencement well how do they do that they need to terminate the first notice of commencement, record the mortgage, and then record a new notice of commencement after the mortgage. That puts the mortgage in first place and all of the liens that attach related to the notice of commencement and the project in second place. So when this happens, if you are given notice of this termination of the notice of commencement, you have 30 days from that point in time to record your lien for any amount of money, including retainage that may be due for that uh, initial part of the work. So in my example, it would be anything that was owed in that initial three months. Um, if you don't record the lien within the 30 days, then you no longer have lien rights for that uh, first work. Now, once the notice of commencement, a new notice of commencement is recorded, you now have to serve a new notice to owner. But keep in mind, the normal rule is 90 days from your last work, but it, it could be as little as 30 days if the notice of commencement is terminated.
How do you account for weekends and holidays? So let's go through the counting process so everyone's on the same page on how this works. Count every day starting after the last day of work. So if the last day you did work was a Monday, you're going to start counting on the Tuesday. So let's say the last work date was the 7th, you're going to start counting on the 8th. The 8th, in, our, in my example, is day 1. The 9th is day 2, and you're going to keep counting. You're going to include in your count every weekend and legal holiday through and including the 90th day for liens and the 45th day for notice to owners. This rule applies to both how you uh, count for notice to owner delivery deadlines as well as the lien and bond deadline, which is the 90-day deadline. Now, if the last day falls on a weekend or a legal holiday, and legal holiday means any date where your local court clerk is closed, and this, what I, what I mean by this is that the office of the clerk of court where the property is located, um, most clerk of courts have very similar holidays but throughout the state of Florida, there are various clerks that have various different uh, days off. So what matters is the days off uh, that the clerk in the courthouse where the, in the county where the property is located, that's the, the clerk that matters. So if the last day falls on a weekend or a legal holiday, then you roll the last date over to the next business day. So if the 90th day was a Saturday, then you roll it to the next day, which is a Sunday, which you roll it to the next day, which is a Monday. And if Monday was a legal holiday and the court's closed, then you roll to the Tuesday. That's how you count uh, the days for your notice to owner and your uh, claim of lien. Now, we have a couple of tools on our blog, which is called the lien zone. Um, that's where uh, we post articles every week. We have free forms you can download. Uh, we have videos that we release as well as a podcast that comes out every week on construction-related topics. But recently, we released a an app that you can get on the App Store or the Google Play Store. If you search for The Lean Zone, you'll get what we call the Calculine, which will calculate, uh, including weekends and holidays, the notice to owner and lien deadlines. So you no longer have to count on your fingers or count on your calendar uh, all of those dates, 45 and 90 days. Um, so go ahead and download the app. I think you'll find it very useful. Next question, what is last work under the lien law? So last work, which is the, the point in time when you will start counting your 90 days um, is the last day of, of substantive contract work that would entitle you to compensation. It's actually easier to describe what last work isn't than what it is. So it does not include any punch list or warranty work. So if you're the electrician and you go back and you know, there were certain fixtures that weren't working. You go and you fix them. Now they work. That's not your last work date. If you're the painter and you need to touch up the paint uh, in certain areas, that's not last work. So punch list and warranty work, not last work. 
It also does not include the act of passing an inspection or obtaining a TCO or a CO. So let me explain what that means. If I do work today um, in the building, right? So I'm the electrician, I install the fixtures, um, I install some receptacles. Today, I finish my work, I call for my inspection. The inspector doesn't show up for a week. I pass the inspection a week from now. My last date of work for the lien law is not the day the inspector showed up. It's not the day I got the TCO or CO. It's the day I did the work. So keep that in mind when you're looking at calculating your uh, last day of work for the lien law. Also know that it has nothing to do with invoice dates. We have clients sometimes say, well, wait a second. Um, you know, I, I, I sent my invoice on this date. It doesn't matter. Your invoice date uh, is not a measure of the last work date under the lien law. Now, if you send your invoice the same day you did your last work, it may coincide, but it's not because that's the date you sent the invoice. Uh, your 90 days may be running once you submit a 100% payment application. So if you submit a pay request and you ask for all of your retainage and you use the AIA form and you see that everything that is listed at 100%, you know, red flags should be waving. Wait a second, we're probably into the 90-day period because we're, we're telling the other side that we're 100% done. Now, approved change orders can be last work and may extend your time to lien. Let me explain what that means. If you have uh, base contract work and you do it, when you finish the base contract work, uh, that would be your last day of work. However, if you get a change order and it's fully executed and approved, that now becomes part of your contract. So that work will extend the time to lien. Uh, so, you know, sometimes we have issues with clients on what exactly is approved and not approved, right? Because getting a fully executed change order is a difficult task sometimes. Uh, but if we set that issue aside and just talk about whether or not a change order extends your lien rights, the answer is yes. I'll tell you a story about a client um, who was a door uh, distributor and installer. Uh, he installed many doors on a project, then he was owed money. The time period for him to lien had expired. He was expecting to go back, but never actually did. So it was about day 100 after his last work. He's owed about $50,000. And he calls me and he says, Alex, I, uh, I can't believe it. The contractor picked up the phone and called me and he said that he needs me to bring that the last door and install it so he can pass uh, an inspection. But one, he owes me all this money, and two, uh, that extra door is a change order that he said he'll give me, but you know, I don't want to do any more work if I'm not getting paid. And I told the client, I said, absolutely, load that truck up into your, uh, uh, the door into your truck, take it out there, install it, but only after he signs the change order. Uh, because once he does that, now you have a signed change order that resets the time for you to do work. You go up, you do the work, that's now your new last work date. Now you have 90 days to lean the job. So remember that sometimes doing change order work will extend the time that you have to lean because it extends the time 
of when your last work is considered last work. Finally, what happens after Eileen? Um, this is a question that I get frequently. You know, clients come to me and they say, okay, well, I, I lean the job, so, you know, I'm just waiting for my check. Um, and while that may happen sometimes, meaning uh, they haven't paid you, you file the lien, and the, the, the lien itself gets you paid, many times that's not accurate. Nothing happens on its own. Your lien is merely a cloud on the title of the property that uh, that you improved or delivered materials to. So, you know, that, that lien may affect the lender continuing to fund. It may cause the contractor not to get paid by the owner so they, they satisfy your lien. So there may be things that because your lien is on the property, it causes the um, the owner or the contractor to pay you. But if that doesn't happen right away, know that it's up to you to enforce your rights. So our advice generally is that once you secure your rights, continue all of the normal collection efforts. So what does that mean? That means phone calls, emails, more phone calls, more emails, whatever it takes to get paid, you should be hassling the people that uh, need to write you the check. Feel free to accept partial payments. If, if you're owed 50,000 and someone wants to give you a $30,000 check, you should be willing to accept it, but just be careful that you don't sign any releases that are broader than the payments you are receiving. So be careful for releases that are vague in their through date. Uh, and always remember that the through date of the lien release and the amount of money that you're getting have to match. So in my example, if you're owed 50, they're gonna pay you 30. And 30 gets you uh, you know, current through, let's say May, 17th. But the release says August uh, 30th. That's a problem because even if you accept 30,000 uh, instead of the 50, but your release has a through date past the period of time that that 30,000 represents, you will be giving up those lien rights um, because it's not about the money that you get. It's about the effective through date in the release. So keep that in mind. Once you stop making progress on your collection efforts, your phone calls and emails are getting ignored, you get the runaround, you're not getting paid, they're not willing to make up an agreement to give you partial payments, um, you should consider hiring a construction lawyer because the next set of steps are um, critical. You must file a lawsuit to foreclose on that lien within one year from the recording date of the claim of lien. This is a hard deadline. It cannot be extended. Some clients think that, well, I can just re-record the lien at the one-year mark, and then I have another year. No, that's not a thing. It doesn't exist. Your lien will expire after the first year uh, from recording, and if you decide to record a new one, that new lien is now a fraudulent lien and probably will expose you to uh, a claim by the owner for having a fraudulent lien that's slandering his or her title. Know that the time can be shortened from the one year. It can be shortened down to 60 days with what's called a notice of contest of lien. It can even be shortened down to 20 days, which is uh, done with a, a document called a summons to show cause. So remember that if 
you wait and wait and wait, you may run out of time. Um, you also may have other rights that extend beyond the one year. So for example, you may have a contract action against your customer that owes you the money. That action, you have five years on a, on a contract action to sue someone for breach of contract. So that doesn't have to be done in a year, but most people typically recognize that their strongest claim is their lien claim. So you wanna do it sooner rather than later. At, as well, remember that in, uh, when it comes to collections, it's not like fine wine. Your accounts receivables do not get better with age. They only get worse. So typically we recommend that most clients, you know, start the lien process at about day 60 from the time that they last finished work so that they're not rushing uh, at day, you know, 80, 85, 89, 90 to get their lien recorded. And then once you record the lien, spend the next 30 to 60 days to try to collect it on your own. But if that doesn't work and you don't have a good business reason to keep waiting, um, you know, maybe, maybe you've decided that it is worth waiting because this is a small amount and you have four other projects going on with these folks. So you're, so you're willing to wait. You've secured your rights, but you're willing to wait. But if, those, if that's not the situation, you should be looking to aggressively pursue the collection of your outstanding receivables within about 60 days after you have recorded your lien rights.